Amen. So uh, before I forget, uh, so Wednesday uh, for Bible study, well, obviously with 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to read the first 28 verses. First 28 verses. We'll go through that. Amen. So I just wanted to make sure um, I don't forget that. Because <laughs> so, <laughs> I have a habit of forgetting things lately. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to write a note down for myself. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> it happens. Right? <laughs> that's okay it, look we all do it you know so it's all good right <laughs> we're all humans amen amen that's right god's grace so i, I do want to clarify something before we delve into the week something i said last week because i was listening uh as i was making the video um listening to and i was like well you know what maybe i might need to clarify something um when i talked about you know catching the fish baiting them catching the fish and then throwing it back right I, you know so i just want to make sure we understand that you know we're not going to be able to disciple and bring people to church 100 percent of the time right so that that's not what i meant but there is a there is a move out there in churches where we're just going out and we're just sharing things and then we're just leaving people right that's not what jesus meant but you know, there there is an example where somebody wanted to travel with Jesus, and um, and that's what came to my spirit when I was uh, listening to it in Mark chapter five, where you remember the, uh, the the maniac that was chained up and uh, demon possessed, and he talked about him being the legion. Well, he asked, "Who are you?" and then said, "Legion," because we are many. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Okay, I don't have to turn. So it's in Mark chapter five. All right, um, but you know. At the end, he wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, go back and tell your friends. Right. And but think about that, because if you read in the first, the 15th verse, the people wanted Jesus gone. See, once the pigs went over the cliff, they told Jesus to leave. Right. So they weren't going to listen to Jesus. Right. They were comfortable with somebody that was demonically possessed being there. But they told Jesus to leave. Right. But because this man got set free, what greater witness could there be? And, and don't take this the wrong way, but he would have been more effective. The person that got delivered than Jesus at that moment. That's why Jesus said, stay here and go tell your friends. And he went throughout all the capitalists sharing what the Lord had done. Why? Because now he was once bound. Guess what? Now they saw him chained up, but now he's set free. So guess what? Now they see him set free. Well, who sets you free? The Lord. Right? Because Jesus said, go tell all what the Lord has done for you. Right? So we know when people, when, you know, we lead people to the Lord. Well, actually, we're not leading them to the Lord. They get, you know, uh, the fathers lead them to the Jesus. But um, there should be a change. Right? And a lot what's going on today and over the last few years, there's not change taking place in people. So, I know when I got saved, there was a change, plain and simple, right? So I was able to testify even to those people who I hung out with, right? I was not hanging out with them, going to the clubs no more, drinking anymore, chasing women anymore. I wasn't doing those things. See, when I got born again, the generational curses got broken, right? So now that his presence is inside of me, right? And, and that's what we had to let people know. Right. They don't have to be bound by sin, just like that demoniac wasn't bound by sin. Right. So it doesn't mean. So I just wanted to clarify that, that, you know, that we're going to lead 
have people because some people are going to refuse to come to church, right? Doesn't mean that they're not saved. You know, some people may refuse um, us calling them and trying to disciple them, right? That's fine, okay? But I just want us to understand that it doesn't mean that 100% of the time that it's, it's going to be where somebody comes to the Lord and all of a sudden we're going to bring them to church and things like that. So, amen? All right, so... We talked about Jude, all right, and then we're going to continue with Jude, all right, but I want to just do a quick review, all right, with some of the things that I said and, and probably some new things, all right, so we talked about Jude, and, you know, at the beginning of verse 1, he talked about how he was the bondservant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, and we talked about James, who was the pastor, the bishop, the elder of the church in Jerusalem, right, and we talked about Jude was Jesus' half-brother, and he was his youngest brother, right? We know that the gospel show us that he was the youngest brother to Jesus. So we know that his letter was written to a church. And it was a church in what would be called the uh, diaspora, which is just made up of people who would leave their home area, people who left Jerusalem. And they left Jerusalem, why? Because of persecution and other reasons. Right. And they spread out to other cities and they're in 10 other Greek cities at that time and known as Asia Minor and now modern day Turkey. So you have places like Ephesus, places like Thyatira, Smyrna, churches that were mentioned in Revelation, those places, those cities like that. And now you have Jewish churches there that was predominantly made up of Jewish churches. So Jude is writing this letter to them and. He's telling them to what? Contend for the faith, right? Contend for the faith. And, you know, I thought about this and I, and I mentioned it last week, but we are at more of an advantage than they were because we have the whole canon. See, when they received this letter from Jude, guess what? Revelation had not been written. First, second, third John had not been written. The gospel of John had not been written. Right. So this is why. When Paul and Peter and they, they describe actions, behaviors of those who were false teachers, they're describing them because they don't have they didn't have everything that we had. Right. We today we have what Genesis through Revelation. They didn't have all that. Right. They had they had other writings that wasn't necessarily included in the Bible. And we talked about that where Jude quotes from. And we'll get to that where uh, the book of Enoch and the book of Moses. And I talked about how. They would have been familiar with that because those are basically Jewish writings and those are basically what they grew up on. Right. So even though they were not included in the canon, it doesn't mean that everything in there was false. Right. So we'll see as we go through Jude that he speaks in what is called uh, triads, which is saying, you know, you say something they say if you say it three times. It kind of sticks in your head three to four times at a minimum. It starts to stick in your head. So we know that uh, stories and things like that uh, based on uh, triads and threes, meaning uh, three musketeers, right? The three blind mice. What is it? Three little pigs. Is that what it is? Three little pigs. Yeah, yeah. Right. So those stories stick in our head. Right. So but that's what Jews. That's what he, he does. So looking at uh, Jew one. Uh, yeah, you want first verse because there's only one chapter. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he says in, in 1B, to those who are called, sanctified by the Father, 
sanctified by God the Father and preserved to Jesus Christ. That's speaking in threes. And even in verse two, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. That's his theme that he follows. He, he goes down uh, all the way to halfway through, the, through his letter to them. And we talked about how he quoted from Second Peter quite often. And I think I think I mentioned it was like 13 times he quoted from Second Peter. All right. So let's go to. Well, I'll start with verse one. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to those who are called, sanctified by God, the father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace and love be multiplied to you. All right. So we stopped at verse three last week. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So we can stop right there. So I talked about how that word contend is like a military term, right? But we have to be careful sometimes because when we say military terms, sometimes we can use that as a, a natural contention. Right. Sometimes our contention may be spiritual. Right. So we, we have to be careful because what we have to understand is. We're constantly at, as long as we're in these vessels, these bodies, guess what? We're going to be bombarded by thoughts and things like that. And these thoughts as we go throughout our day. Right. We got to cast down certain things that don't line up with the word of God. Right. That right there is contending. Right. So let's turn uh, second. Let's turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. In a familiar text, I'm sure. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, so though we walk in the flesh, these natural bodies, right? Because you see my flesh, but y'all don't see my spirit, right? Right? So, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So, in this context, our wrong thoughts, perceptions, contradiction, to knowledge of God. So when we're, when we're getting bombarded with those, bombarded, excuse me, with those thoughts, and we got to cast it down. We we can't dwell on it. But that's also us contending for the faith, right? And, and see, even the fact that over the time we've been introduced to things, certain doctrines that are not true, they sometimes still may rise up in us in our mindset, right? But we got to cast it down, and we cast it down by what? The Word of God. All right. So the carnal weapons, uh, hold on. The carnal weapons Paul refuses were not material weapons such as swords and spears. See, these are again the thoughts. All right. Verse five, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So the things that will come against the knowledge of God, because what we got to remember, the devil is what? The prince of the air, the power of the air. Right. So whether it's TV, radio, somebody speaking, right, or teaching or just walking by somebody or hearing a conversation, even when we're at work with somebody, maybe in the office or the cubicle next door, right, they may say things that get imprinted in our heads and our minds. But we got to learn to cast those things down. All right. Bringing every thought, every thought 
every thought. And then see, sometimes we don't, often we don't do that, right? We start to meditate on those things, right? And then sometimes we may catch it. It's like, wait a minute, where did that thought come from, right? Because the enemy's there, right? Because this is spiritual warfare. It's not, it's not, it's not a battle in the flesh, right? So we, we got to bring every thought into captivity to what? The obedience of Christ, which is the word of God. See, the enemy wants us to, to think certain things. That's why he's implanted certain teachers and things like that within the church. And, and they want to implant. And that's what the enemy's doing. He, he's implanting things into our minds and our hearts. And it's driving us off. All right. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Right. Being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So he set in a pattern here for all churches. Right. So basically. We got to be right. We got to live right. Right. And we got to understand that we got to only way we can live right and be right is studying the word of God. Right. Verifying what's being said. Right. So I talked about last last week. I said, what we got want the word. Right. We got to want the word. That's what we have to do. We have to go back. We have to study the word regardless of who is speaking, even if it's me. Right. Go back and verify the word for what it is, because we have to be careful because we are all human. Now, we have to be able to understand that there is a difference between false teachers and false prophets and a teacher that may teach something falsely. Right. So the false teachers and false prophets, we can rebuke, but somebody can get up here and teach something falsely. Falsely just means something out of ignorance, not knowing the truth. They may not be purposely doing the things, right? So now, we had to demonstrate it in the house a couple of times where somebody may have said something, and I will come back either the following week or that Wednesday to correct something that was said. Why? Because it was said out of ignorance. Right. They, they weren't purposely trying to be malicious with it. Right. So but we have to be careful. Now, you can have somebody that's a true teacher say something or do something that is just totally wrong. All right. Oh, uh, let's see where we want to go. Let's go to. Let's go to Galatians chapter two. And let's see somebody who is a true teacher. Chapter two, beginning at verse 11. Who was a follower of the Lord, but did something and behaved in a, in a certain way that had to bring what? Correction. All right. So Galatians chapter two, beginning at verse 11. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the what? Hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the what? Gospel. They were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. Right. So not only were their behavior and their actions showing something, guess what? They began to manipulate the word. 
Alright, so they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew, Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as a Jew, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? So why did Paul have to confront him here? Because guess who else would have been there watching and observing Peter's actions and listening to his word? The Gentiles. Right? So now when you have somebody who was a leader in the church, and they're fellowshipping with, fellowshipping with you, and now all of a sudden, here comes the Jews, and then now all of a sudden, he starts fellowshipping with you. And he does what? He goes over to the Jews, right? And then he starts talking differently. Right? So that's why he had to be confronted openly, because he was discriminating. And guess what? We still do it in church today. We still do it in church today. All right, so let's go back to Jude. So, just want to say something in reference to Second uh, Corinthians ten, but you know, well, I guess it apply here to you. You know, we have to understand and be careful with our mindsets and our opinions, because that will affect how we hear the word and how we read the word. Right. So, an example of that would be the prosperity movement. Right. All of a sudden, I was guilty of it. Right. I was in that movement thinking about it. And just about every scripture I read, I'll find some way to attribute it to prosperity. Right. So we have to be careful of that and we have to understand the word and take it from its context again. All right. So Jude. Jude uh, 4. Jude 4. All right. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this combination ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's start right there. So it says here certain men. So that word in the Greek certain men is not just men, but that means actually human beings. So it applies to uh, men and women, right? So he says here that they long ago they were marked out for this combination. Condemnation. In other words, they were already destined for judgment. The Lord knew. Why? Because when you're dealing with false teachers, guess what? They can't stop what they're doing. Right? And, and we've seen it today where they, they teach falsely, then they come back and they, they say they repent, and then they go right back to teaching. And a perfect example of that is Benny Hinn. Right? Because he was doing something, raising money for uh, trying to get money to come in for, for uh, churches and, and, and things like that in his own pocket, in his own ministry. And then he repented of that. A few years ago, he repented of that. But guess what he's back to doing? The same thing, right? Same thing, Creflo Dollar. He's, he did the same thing. He repented not too long ago. And guess what he's doing? Still same thing. Go back. Why? Because they can't stop what they're doing, right? That's why their judgment, <coughs> it was marked out a long time ago. They just can't stop what they're doing. All right, so let's continue on. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness. Uh, so what is lewdness? That also means licentiousness, meaning it gives you a license to sin. Well, well, they're not saying go out and sleep with this one, sleep with... No, 
Lewdness can be taking the word of God and manipulating it. Right? And I'm going to tell you what lewdness is today. The sloppy grace. Because that's really what they were doing here. See, what in this day, what the church had issue with, they were allowing uh, Gnostics, Jewish Gnostics to come in there who were saying this. They were saying that the flesh is going to be destroyed. Right? Which is not wrong. And they were saying it's no good. God didn't really care what you did in your flesh. <laughs> yeah. So because your flesh was going to be destroyed, you can do what you want in your flesh. And that's what they were teaching. And, but see, well, here's what we have to do. And I see we're shaking our head, and as we should. Right? You go back up into the beginning of that verse. They crept in unnoticed. Remember when I talked about last week how they're not going to just come in <laughs> wearing a black hat saying, hey, I'm a false teacher. and just Why? Because we would shut them down right away. Well, how could they creep in unnoticed? Let's go to Acts 20. That in the Greek crept in unnoticed means stealth mode, right? <laughs> Unaware, right? Stealth. Secretly. What? All right. We there? Acts chapter 20, verse 29. For I know this, that after, this is Paul speaking, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. Right? Savage wolves. Paul calls them savage wolves. John calls them antichrist. And we'll get to that in a minute. They will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Sparing meaning treating, treating leniently. They're not sparing the flock. In other words, they're coming in out of a selfish desire. They're not concerned about you. Right? Not sparing the flock. Verse 30. Also, from among yourselves, from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after who? Themselves. Right? Now look to your left, to your right. <laughs> In front of you, to the back of you. Right? Because he says, rise up from among yourselves. You might be sitting around a false teacher. <laughs> right? But that's how, that's how they creep in unnoticed. Because they will come in, like I said last week, I think I did, saying hallelujah. They will sing praise and worship songs with us. Right? They will serve in the church. But their motives are no good. They have ulterior motives. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. It's going towards the back of the book. And we're going to go to 18. First John chapter 2, verse 18. All right. So Paul called them savage wolves. Let's look. Let's read what John says. Little children. So he's already establishing a relationship. Just like Paul was, uh, excuse me, Timothy was Paul's spiritual son. This is John's flock here. He's, he's cared for them. Little children. It is the last hour. 
And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. So he's talking about the true Antichrist, right? He's talking about the true Antichrist, so some of your Bibles that may be capitalized, right? If you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. These are the savage wolves. By which we know that it is the last hour. So the last hour was from Christ's resurrection all the way to today. That is because, remember, God is not bound by time like we are. Right? That's right. So, <laughs> all these years is a split moment to the Lord. Verse 19. They went out from us. So that means they were already in the church. Right? They went out from us, but they were not of us. Right? <laughs> they were not of us. Because for what? For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Right? It's not talking about leaving a, a church congregation, but leaving the church period. Well, how are they leaving the church? They're leaving the church because they're teaching things that don't line up with the Word of God. Right? We're not just talking about backsliders here. He's saying they were never, they were never saved. That's what he's saying. Because they have ulterior motives in their heart, and they, they want people to come after them. Seek them. They're, they want you to give so they can get. Right? For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Right? So we have to be careful of that. See, so we hear these teachers, YouTube teachers, uh, television evangelists, and we... They're going to give all the appearance that they're saved, they're righteous, and they're teaching the word, but they have ulterior motives. They're not concerned about getting people to Jesus Christ. They're concerned about getting stuff from us, and they want it. Right? And, and they almost, they're antichrist because, guess what? They're trying to move Jesus out of the way and place themselves up there. And a lot of them are not doing it purposely. Right? But that's exactly what they're doing. That's why John calls them Antichrist. That's why Paul calls them savage wolves. Why? Because Jesus called them what? Wolves in sheep's clothing. Why? Because they could creep in. Right? And we've heard these people. We've, we've probably been to their services when they've come to visit. Some of these big... See, we think sometimes that a church has to, uh, when we look at it, we, we like, oh man, the church is growing big and, and God's behind it. And we hear preachers say it all the time. But guess what? You know what grows big too? Cancer. That's right. Cancer. And, and it's deadly. Right? So we have to be careful. I was reading this week, there was a, it was a letter from a missionary. It was a family that went over there. And the mother, the wife, uh, she was writing a letter to her three sons. Uh, they, they were young, I'm not, I'm not sure, but around 11, 10, 9, something like that. And they wrote about how when they first got over there to, uh, I think it was Kenya, and they sat down in the church, and they were listening to the man of God, supposedly man of God, preach, and he was preaching wealth, the wealth and prosperity, right? And then all of a sudden, a man rose up and said, well, what about this scripture? What about that scripture? Right. And they began to go back and forth. Right. But that man that rose up was actually her husband. Right. So now fast forward down the road. I don't know how long ago, uh, how far along it was, but they had to go. Well, she had to go. The wife had to go and talk to 
um, a pastor because she was giving a, a conference on, on pastors and, you know, how you carry yourselves. And it just, just um, what's the word I want to look for? Uh, I guess giving a, a template, right? Um, like teaching. That's basically what she was doing. And then she, she pulls up. And she sees two guys out there washing a very expensive car, which ends up being the pastor's car. And they, they're watching it, washing it, washing it, washing it. And all of a sudden, man comes out, which ends up being the pastor. And he, he's dressed in very expensive clothing and very expensive shoes. And she introduces herself, says, hey, I'm here for this. Then he, this is what the pastor says. Why are you dressed like that? Nobody's going to listen to you dressed like that. She says, what do you mean? He says, well, I teach the people that preachers are healthy and wealthy, right? And she says, oh, boy, let's talk. <laughs> so she pulls out the scriptures and she starts going through the scriptures with this, right, with, 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 this, with this pastor. And he says, huh, he says, you know, I see you American churches on TV, but I'm teaching what y'all teaching. Yeah. And see, that's what gets into Christians. Right. Because guess what? He said, and that's somebody that's doing it out of ignorance. Right. But she 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 had to sit down with him and give him the scriptures. But see, the true mark of repentance is humility because he understood. He listened to her. He didn't shut her down. He listened to her and took heed to what she was teaching. And they were just one on one. And then she was able to go later on and teach everybody else that. Right. So it doesn't mean everybody is trying to be malicious, but we do things. We as in Christians, we do things out of ignorance, which means we, we have to understand the scriptures and, and, and what they mean here. And, and Jude is warning. He's warning the church here and he's warning us. Right. Because we're not to entertain these things. That don't line up with the word of God. And we got to be careful of those things. And, it, and, and it's very crafty. Right? The enemy. See, we think that we're smart. <laughs> but we have to understand we're not smarter than the devil. We're not. And, and we say things and we do things. And, and we, we got to be careful because the enemy wants to mix it in. He wants to mix the truth with error. He mixed the truth with error. Now that causes people to go and stray away right this is why we so, see so much foolishness out there right people doing things acting like dogs shaking everywhere that's not of God that's not in the scriptures right but we think those things are of God but we have to first we have to be of a sound mind ourselves let's go to first uh, Timothy chapter 6 first Timothy chapter 6 First Timothy chapter six, verse three. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine 
which accords with godliness. All right, so let's stop right there. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome, what is wholesome? Wholesome in the Greek means sound, right? It means Christians whose opinions are mixed without error, right? Without error, meaning the true word of God, right? So let's keep going. So I'll start again, verse 3. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what's the words of our Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible. The Bible. Right? So, okay. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness. Or the doctrine according to godliness. So godliness, godliness means teaching of godliness. Holiness. Right? So in other words, if the teachings of someone, any man or woman of God, does not line up or conform to the word of God, to holiness, it's not of God. It's not of God. And we don't hear a lot of churches that from the beginning we talked about teaching on holiness. Right? We don't hear a lot of churches teaching about the character of Christ. Right? But we hear about the gifts of the Spirit. We hear about God loves you. God's merciful. Don't worry about what you do. <laughs> God is going to forgive you. Right? Yeah, he is going to forgive you. But at some point, you got to stop. You got to stop. Right? So let's keep going. Verse 4. Uh, I'm going to read verse 3 again. So, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words. That right there can fall into these who battle in apologetics. Because they, they talk about out of the flesh. Right? Let's keep going. From which come envy, strife, reveling, evil suspicions. That Evil suspicions, or, and I think the King James might have surmisings. It means supposing something is true without having evidence to confirm it. So this is what we're getting in our churches today. We're getting opinions. And we're saying things and we're hearing people say things and then we go back and repeat those things and it doesn't line up with the word of God. We're saying it so it's actually evil surmisings because it, there's no evidence of it. But we're saying it and we're attributing it to God. So in other words, it's God's will for no Christian to be sick. Well, yes, God didn't create man to be sick. But because of Adam's sin, sickness is going to dwell in this earth until we get our glorified bodies right. and a new heaven and a new earth. Amen. Right? So people will say those things. Or, because <laughs> I had to confirm when I, before I mentioned Creflo's name, <laughs> I had to confirm with him, right, when I was in the office because when I said he repented, I wanted to make sure uh, that he went back to his old ways. Because he was talking about, matter of fact, hold on, because I don't want to misquote. <laughs> so this is his prayer from a message that he has. Lord, your will for us includes financial prosperity. However, one of the things Jesus taught us, and this is a prayer. I'm kidding you not. It has prayer. One of the things, however, one of the things Jesus taught us is that a wrong relationship with money damages our lives. That is true. But he already said something that was wrong, but then he comes back with the truth. Thank you for warning us about the dangers of trusting in it more than in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is what he said before that. The devil doesn't want us to understand the truth about money. 
So he does all he can to spread lies and misinformation about it. The world tells us it's evil and Christians should be poor. Who says that? The world doesn't say that. But he's saying that as his gospel. Right? See, I want to make... And that, that, that's his most recent message. <laughs> right? But this was somebody that repented. See, it's the evil surmisings. It's evil because it doesn't line up with the word of God. He's trying to teach something and... There's no truth there. But he's mixing it in. And a lot of Christians will be deceived because he's talking about God. The church, his church is worshiping God. And they see, but he's teaching wrong. He's someone that Paul warned about. He's someone that John warned about. Because he's an antichrist. That message is an antichrist. Alright, so let's keep going. Verse 4. I'll continue with verse 4. I know I started reading. He is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reveling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth. In other words, destitute, they're defrauded, they, they rob of the truth. They don't want the Christian or any man or woman to have the truth. Why? Because if we have the truth, guess what? We might not so See, they want it Oh, this scripture that we read earlier, how they want to draw men unto themselves. They want to be in the limelight. Right? So that's why they want us to give. They want us to see them and not Jesus. So Jesus is standing here on the cross. They're going to be right here. And you can't get to Jesus until you go through me because I'm teaching you. And I'm trying to teach you how to get to Jesus. But no, they're trying to teach to get to them. All right? And destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. And that's what they do. They try to take the word. Because the word is godliness. And they use it as an effort to gain more. Right? And sometimes it may not be money. Right? I'm just using him as an example. Sometimes it can be, hey, I got to fill up my church. Right? I got to fill up the seats. Right. <laughs> it's another. So I read this last Saturday uh, during the uh, elections, um, the last time, the presidential elections, um, there was a, a pastor that I used to watch. And, uh, you know, when him and his wife get up together and minister, they could bring the word. But he started getting caught up, entangled in the things of this world. And what I mean by that, he started getting entangled with the stuff of the elections. So he was basically supporting Trump. But the, the point is this. He started manipulating things. He started getting caught in lies. He had groups of people, um, black ministers, and he would lie about them meeting and how they came out in support of Trump. And they were saying he was lying, but I, I, what drew me was this. He had a house, a very expensive house, big house. He ended up losing the house. Why? Because he was renting it to own. And his reason for losing the house, he said, because of COVID, the, uh, the tides weren't coming in. Mm -hmm. So, wait a minute. You were just talking about how you depended on God one minute, but now the tides are not coming in. See? And then he was going on all these shows, CNN, uh, these other, other, other people, Roland Martin, I think. And he was debating, arguing with them. There was no godliness in that. But then you call yourself a preacher and a minister. Right? And guess what? He still has a big church. In Ohio. He still has a big church. And it's not Rob Parsley. <laughs> but he has a big church 
in Ohio. And, and, but these are the things that he was manipulating, right? And, and you got to wonder why. What was his motive? But it's, it's demonic. That's ultimately what it is. Demonic. It's the Antichrist spirit. All right. Listen to what uh, Paul says here. From such, withdraw yourself. From such, withdraw yourself. That means don't sit there. Don't entertain it. Withdraw yourself. Just like I gave the example last week. How I was in that meeting and they started teaching stuff wrong. I got up and I left. Right. But most Christians would sit there. Say, Well, they said they will heed to what Creflo, what I read about Creflo, say, well, he said this, right? And it will go, and what happens, it goes right over their head. They miss it. They miss it. And it, they appeal to uh, human sensual desires, right? Uh, the money, right? Because now, what you know, you think about it, what new born-again believer wouldn't want to hear for the most part, say, hey, I can still sin and still be saved? Yeah, some people would like that. Right? But it doesn't work that way. Right? Now, he doesn't teach that way, but others do. Right? So, we, we, we have to be careful. We have to be on guard about those things. So, let's see. Because they creep in, they creep in unnoticed. Right? They come in in a stealth mode. Right? And, and we're thinking that they're men and women of God. But they have ulterior motives. Because just like I just read, they'll say one thing and then come back and say another. And we got to be, we have to withdraw from that. All right. So in reference to the evidence, and, and, and the thing about the gospel is this. It can be manipulated because of grace. So some people can manipulate and teach wrong because guess what? We're not bound as Christians by works like other religions. Right. So that's why it's easy for them to come back and say, hey, sin, just don't worry about it. Just repent. Not don't worry about it, but just repent and, and then move on. Right. And that's partly true. But repenting means turning around. We're not continuing in the same thing, not being bound by the same thing or the desires. So just like when I got saved, it was a repentance thing. Right. There had to be a change there. Right? So the generational curses were broken. Right? Because now that desire that was pulling me to alcohol. Yeah, I about to say drugs. I never did drugs. <laughs> but I'll use that example with drugs, whatever it is. You know, those ties are broken. Right? But we have to be careful that we don't even go back to entertain those lifestyles or go back into the club. Thinking, hey, I can go back. I'm strong enough. No. I think I said it last week. What? Bad company corrupts good fruit. That's right. right? No matter how much we think we're strong enough, guess what? We got to be on guard. Amen. Because what tends to happen is we tend to conform. Now, we see Jesus met with sinners. Right? But when we read in the Bible, who was doing the, the majority of the talking? Jesus. And he was teaching the truth. Right. He was loving them, displaying mercy to them, showing forgiveness to them, not judging them, but teaching them the truth in love. See, the religious leaders were teaching in judgment. They were looking at them in judgment, looking down at them. So in other words, they were looking down at them. As I mentioned last week, we're up here. You're down here. Don't come by us. 
but Jesus was coming differently. Right? Because yes, he, he, he loves each and every one of us. No matter what we have done, He will forgive us. Right? But there has to be a change in that. Amen. Romans 6, 1 says this, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No. And he says right after that, certainly not. Right? In order for us to walk this word out, right, we have to walk in holiness. And the only way we can walk in holiness if we're being taught holiness. If we're being taught the character of Christ. Right? Because you could be taught the gifts of the Spirit without the character. And that's what goes on in churches today. And I, and I started watching a video this week. Um, and I guess I was going to apply it to the message. I didn't finish it. So I, I'm not going to talk about it because I got to finish it. <laughs> but <laughs> right off the bat, within the first couple of minutes, I already saw things that were wrong. Right? Things that were wrong, just even how the people were sitting. And how. And, and, and it's, it's, really, it's really shameful. Right. Because I knew quite a few people that were up there personally. Right. And and it's funny how they were not thinking this way, but now they've been hooked and now they're changed. Their mindset has changed. Their theology has changed. Why? Because now they have titles. They have titles. We're supposed to chase Jesus, not titles. Right, because as I always say, you don't need a title to do what God calls you to do. Amen. Amen. What'd you say? (laughs) Amen. All right, so we'll start right there. I know we only covered one verse. (laughs) But I had a feeling that was going to happen. Amen. So let's bow our heads.